You're listening to Outstanding in the Field, a podcast by Perennia, highlighting production practices, pest management, and more for field crops in Nova Scotia. I'm your host, Provincial Field Crop Specialist, Caitlin Condon. This episode, I'm joined by Amy Higgins, Project Coordinator with the Agri-Commodity Management Association, to discuss how the new Eastern Forage U-Pick tool can help you choose the best forage species for the conditions and usage on your farm. Welcome, Amy. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So just before we get started, do you want to kind of introduce yourself and give us a little bit of background on who you are, what you do? Sure. Uh, Yeah, my name is Amy Higgins, and I work with the Agri-Commodity Management Association now. And previously, I was the sole staff member for the Maritime Beef Council. So we've done a little bit of restructuring I work on projects. So this Forage U-Pick tool was a project uh, that we're going to talk about a little bit today. Perfect. Yeah, so jumping right into the Forage U-Pick tool, um, can you tell me kind of how it came about? What was the need for a tool like this and uh, how did it develop from there? Sure. Well, a little bit of the history back even before the Atlantic provinces got involved is the Saskatchewan Forage Council had created, they had a project uh, back 2015-16 type of time frame that had, um, and it might have even been before that, but it was a forage you pick uh, tool that they actually gave out on, if you can remember when you had these little DVDs and CD-ROMs that they, yeah. would, they would distribute at farm shows and, and things to that effect. Uh, so when Beef Cattle Research Council had put out uh, a knowledge tech transfer project applications. Some of the other provinces that were like peeking out over over the borders were (laughs) kind of getting these tools that were in their producers' hands and thinking, well, we're sort of, some of us might have the same soil zone profiles as Saskatchewan, Mm -hmm. but we might have some different growing uh, growing opportunities and growing species that uh, will either do better or worse in our neck of the woods. So mm-hmm. Western, the Western Canadian Forage U-Pick tool that en- ended up going on the Beef Cattle Research Council website uh, was a development of that. And then us in Eastern Canada, as we've been <laughs> we've been looking at the tools that are on the Be- Beef Cattle Research Council website, we're thinking, well, that would kind of be neat to have something mm. like that that we could uh, deal with producers. So we had put in an application uh, via the Ontario Forage Council as a little bit of a collaborative Eastern Canadian. Uh, we could get these additions in and all that sort of stuff. So that's sort of the history behind it. It awesome. started with somebody in Saskatchewan, um, a good idea, and then everybody sort of jumped on on board. Yeah, no, that's the great thing about a good idea is we can kind of pick it up and run with it and adapt it um, to suit everybody else's needs, which it looks like is exactly what happened here. (laughs) So obviously we have um, some fairly different conditions from Saskatchewan and and even sometimes Ontario. Um, So what is the process or what was the process of adapting that existing tool to fit Atlantic Canada? So in Western Canada, and I'm talking about prairies, Western Canada, because even adding British Columbia into mm. the Western tool was a little bit of a challenge because yeah. of zoning and climate. Uh, For sure. <laughs> that are the differences there. So it took us probably, we had a, a subject matter expert kind of advisory panel from with agronomists and agrologists from 
um, and agronomes from Quebec and Ontario and the Maritimes who mm -hmm. we all kind of got together to say like what are the most important things like how do we make recommendations and do do we need to zone things very specifically where if you live in Annapolis County is that mm -hmm. the is that the deciding factor of what we recommend and in eastern Canada because in western Canada and I worked did a lot of work out in Manitoba and Saskatchewan for quite some time and mm -hmm define their lives by the black soil zone the brown soil zone gray soil zone right etc so the yeah. their producers are very familiar with that nomenclature yeah and it's just it is what defines their zones because those soil profiles are markedly different and they don't mm. they don't have any county boundaries they just have these maps of the various soil zones okay now when you go east of manitoba <laughs> Um, and especially into that Northern Ontario landscape, things start to change very drastically. Big time. <laughs> <laughs> very drastically. So we talked about, well, do we classify it by these zones and do we have to get as granular as counties and this, that, mm. or the other thing? And we sort of landed, like, we spent a lot of time talking about it, but then we kind of figured it actually has more to do with your pH, your drainage. And some of these field characteristics that get into the next spot. Yeah, totally. So, so it, and it was kind of funny because it, there was a, uh, one of the advisors in Ontario that said, well, if we don't define it at all, then the, the producers aren't going to think that we put any thought into this. Like if there's no deviation and we just have one great big map of Eastern Canada, mm -hmm. then they're going to think that we didn't put any thought into this at all. So <laughs> sort of say there's these provincial boundaries because there are yeah. some things that we just don't have access to or that our sure. representatives wouldn't um even though theoretically maybe it could grow um that we wouldn't kind of agronomically get behind so we sort of did those deviations and then Ontario um we put in what was called a Galega line so it was if Galega would summer kill or if Galega would not summer kill <laughs> okay um, and we sort of did some some pieces to that where there's a few right. differences in Ontario because of their different, um, the different zonage. And then sure. they decided that, no, most of it was just soil pH and profile. And in Atlantic mm -hmm. Canada, we kind of said the same thing. Yeah. Now, I definitely wouldn't be able to break it down by soil type since we have like, we can have three soil types in one field. <laughs> yeah, it is be, wild. Uh, yeah. Much, much different landscape, I guess, than, than out West, but it sounds like uh, that that was all taken into consideration and, and really dealt with so that we have something that's um, really customizable and, and useful for local growers. Uh, the first thing that you do after you select your appropriate region, so we're selecting the Atlantic region, so then you fill it out the characteristics that you're looking for that's uh, going to help the tool select your forage. So can, can you talk a little bit about what those customizable characteristics are and why they're so important in determining the most suitable forage for a particular situation? Yeah, certainly. So we had about 10 different uh, field characteristics, and some of them are the same as what Western Canada characteristics were, and some of them are different, mm -hmm. um, just because of uh, the priorities here. We did shift our soil pH question yes. is the very <laughs> first one. So, right. and we've got a little... Um, a little field that says in Eastern Canada, knowing soil pH is critical for proper recommendations. Yeah. So like, <laughs> Definitely. if you don't know this, then 
maybe do a soil test. Go ahead, get a soil <laughs> test done. So, and there are different um, different spots that will assist. Like I know in Nova Scotia, the cattle producers have a soil program that'll help you uh, recoup some cost on those those soil tests and mm-hmm. the on-farm climate action fund. Like there's lots yeah, of different absolutely. mechanisms to help you do that. And to be honest, having a soil test is going to save you down the road so that you don't oh, so much <laughs> putting a $500 bag of seed into some place that a 500 bag of that particular seed should never have gone. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so soil pH, everybody in Eastern Canada and especially the Maritimes, we all agreed that that would be the first thing. Now, if you don't know your soil pH, you can put no preference. The no preference is just, we won't be filtering on that. Mm-hmm. But we always strongly recommend that like without that, it is sort of like shooting darts. I'm not a very good dart thrower. (laughs) No, pretty hard to make a recommendation without a general idea of where where that soil pH is for sure. So then we've got the type of forage. So this would be if you're looking specifically at grasses, legumes, and forbs. Um, so we've got those three distinguishes, distinguishments. If you're looking into pastures or if you're doing something that is just general forage, maybe you want the grass, maybe you want all of the options to come up. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking at something like frost seeding, maybe you only want the legumes to show up, um, those types of things. Yeah. So we can filter on that, but you, that would be one where it wouldn't be the end of the world because you just get all of the options. Mm-hmm. And we also, I guess I'll back up and we say they, we say to kind of pick three or four of the ones that are sort of the most critical. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you've got a pro- problematic drainage situation or a problematic winter kill situation or something to that effect, then you can kind of put what you're most concerned about because if right. you filter too many of these things out, then you just get very limited. And if it's not as important to you, so like, and the third one would be the purpose of the forage. So pasture, Mm -hmm. hay, if you're doing silage, baleage, haylage, Mm -hmm. that type of thing, or winter stockpile. So if you've got a specific option in mind or purpose in mind for this field rejuvenation, or if you've just accessed it or whatnot, you can pick that. And if you Mm -hmm. don't know, or if it's going to be a combination of a bunch of those different things, then you don't have to filter on it at all. Desired stand longevity is another one. Um, we also had to roll these back from what Western Canadian ones were. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I noticed I was playing around with it and looking at both the Western and, and our Atlantic one. And yeah, I noticed that they had much longer. Like 20 plus years, <laughs> yeah. 25 Amazing. plus years. Um, yeah. And I know that there's lots of stands that have probably been in production for 25 plus years. Are those the most productive of stands though so yeah um so we've got desired stand longevity so if Mm -hmm. you're only looking for something that's less than three years um if you're in a a land swap situation with Mm -hmm. a potato grower or something like that or a vegetable grower and I know there's a lot of the living lab stuff yeah absolutely working into that type of thing three to five years six to ten at least ten years for something like a permanent pasture that you're haven't done it in 30 years and you're just wanting to not pick rock for the rest of your millennia. <laughs> Completely valid. <laughs> so, so those are options. And if you don't know, just put no preference and um, and you'll get all the options. So, and then if harvested, so if you're doing harvested forage, how many cuts are you planning on doing? Mm-hmm. Because there's going to be different recommendations for a one cut and one cut and done type of yeah. scenario. And there are going to be wildly different recommendations for a four or more or an intensive forage harvest situation. Mm-hmm. Same thing with continuous, um, with grazing. 
So we've got continuous, rotational, and intensive rotational. And actually the rotational and intensive rotational, those definitions were taken from our Atlantic Canadian um, Perennia team that did the, the forage manual. Yeah, so, awesome. So nobody else had a really good definition. <laughs> so we did. So we got that in there. So that was uh, that was good input. And then we've got so soil texture again. There might be many soil textures. Mm -hmm. It's not a make or break. There's just certain things. Like if you know that that field is super sandy or if yeah. you know that it's just a bog of cl clay, then you can kind of divvy it down from there. Right. Same with soil drainage, excellent, good, fair, poor, um, those types of things. Erosion tendency. Uh, so this was one that we did have a lot of back and forth on. And this is basically kind of in that uh, planting year mm -hmm. for... For that erosion tendency, uh, and then the the frequency or likelihood that that is, that is to winter kill, which we had vigorous debate over how to, <laughs> how to define that so yeah. that it kind of translate into producers. So what we ended up settling on was that the likelihood would be frequent, so like two in every five years that field may be at risk of winter kill. Whether mm -hmm. that's just it tends to it tends to collect water and that water tends to freeze or whatever those kind of things are. If it frequently does, if it sometimes would, that might be a one in five years. And then rarely would be, it would be odd that that uh, particular field would, would winter kill. So right. those are, that was what we came up with. You can, we can argue if that's right or wrong <laughs> or different, but those were sort of the, uh, the mechanisms that we came up with. And then if you, click in your three or four important um, field characteristics or that are important to you. I will again, suggest that soil pH be one of them. Mm -hmm. And if you hit view results, and if you don't put any, any selections in, then it'll bring you back all of your options Everything. For, right. that, for that geography. And yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no, it sounds like uh, there was a lot of consideration as to what those important characteristics are and, the the important points that people need to think about when they're choosing a forage. So mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. Yeah. So when you, as you said, you click search and you get back the, well, it's a, a master list. And then the ones that are recommended based on your selections are highlighted. Yeah. So it lists out the ones that are recommended based on your selections and then you can click into those individual species. So can you talk about what information you find when you click into the species and kind of where you can go from there? So yeah, I will, I'll start and I will, I'm gonna just gonna pick bird's foot trefoil because that is my favorite legume. All right. <laughs> so uh, if you click, once you click on it, it'll give you the three top kind of like quick hitter characteristics about it. Mm -hmm. Non-bloating legume, Stand persistence depends on seed set and growth of the new seedlings, and it is suited to high moisture and poor quality soils. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the quick and dirty of bird's foot trefoil. And then if you get into each of the species, we'll have general information, use, yield and quality, mm -hmm. tolerance and hardiness, soil, seeding, um, which will have some rate information and what what companion species you could um, seed it to references and additional links, and it'll have some photos of uh, a bird's foot trefoil or of the legume that you or of the species that you selected. 
in general information, typically there's a general description if it's a if it what its type is, so legume, grass forbs, uh, where it originated, what its longevity is, and then the use, optimal time of use, recovery after use. So recovery after use, this was one that varied largely from Western Canada mm. because they do a lot of days of rest because their moisture levels are what they are yes (laughs) (laughs) and hours so we decided to take some of those days of rest out and kind of put it to those um more regrowth measurement level okay yep um so that was something that the the team kind of worked on doing there and we took some information from the omafra i think it's publication 30 um that they just redid and Mm -hmm. that's their grass and forage manual Mm-hmm. as well as the Prenia manuals for forage production um, and other things like that. And there's a Quebec has, has one as well. And then we've got tolerance and hardiness. So that just kind of, kind of quickly hits over drought flooding and winter hardiness um, for that particular species. And then the soil texture, erosion control, salinity, acidity, alkalinity, Again, salinity isn't something that we run into a whole lot in mm-hmm. Eastern Canada, unless you're kind of like um, farming the flats of the bays or yeah. something like that. So and, unless you're kind of in the, some of those coastal areas, so it'll mm-hmm. just give you quick tolerance um, levels. And again, this is a species, so this isn't drilling down into varieties. For sure, yeah. There may be varieties that are more or less or whatnot. This is just general yeah. information. It's like the first layer. And then once you kind of choose your first layer, then you have to go off and investigate yeah, like you, 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 into the varieties and stuff. Yeah, more. you can then yeah. go to the co-op or go to your ag retail and kind yeah. of like, I'm looking for this. What are the options? Because there will be also availability issues with for sure within each one of these. And that was another vigorous debate of including or not not including is like we well we can't get the legacy seed but do we include it and it's like well that's not really we can't be a seed dealer right you can't one. do everything and yeah. that would take a lot of updating too because yes. you know the availability of some things changes every year so mm-hmm. yeah that would be a constant nightmare (laughs) for sure so yeah and then seeds per kilogram suggested mixtures ease of establishment competitiveness and then any management considerations Mm -hmm. yeah that was something else I was going to mention was the uh, mixtures because it doesn't it doesn't really recommend mixtures but it does have that information in there to tell you what would be compatible and um, a little bit more information there Yeah. And and it's just a place to get you started. I mean, is this an exhaustive list of everything that can grow with bird's foot? No, but it it at least gives you some, some options to start looking at. So besides the actual species selection part of the tool, um, there's also a couple of other pieces. So one is the forage weed management section. Can can you talk about that a little bit? Yes. This was another one that we weren't Quite sure. It's uh, because in Western Canada, again, they've got some soil zone, very specific things. Mm -hmm. In Ontario, they have a a weed survey that their Mm -hmm. MAFRA does that has this list and it's a fairly consistent list. Uh, In Quebec and Atlantic Canada, we were sort of left with the 
Well, let's start with Ontario's list and we'll agree or disagree on some things. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll add some things that we find are maybe we're missing from the list. So the the Eastern Canadian ones are in no particular order. It's just mm-hmm. this was the list of the 10 that uh, we kind of decided on. Obviously, there's more weeds out there. And in Atlantic Canada, we've got our 10. Again, smooth bed. The heavy straws. hitters. Yeah, yeah. The, like smooth bed straw is something that we see here mm-hmm. uh and all of the information is take off, taken off of a new brunswick a new brunswick field crops fact sheet around mm-hmm. bed straw because it had come in it was sort of one of those ditch weeds that's i know we've got a field that's got it and it is not fun to try to yeah. get rid of so i've sent out that fact sheet several times so <laughs> i know exactly which one you're talking about yeah so that's what we did and in Western Canada, they had during like the weeds that are during established years or during establishment the first two years and in um, established stands, we didn't disconnect the two. Most mm-hmm. of the annual weeds were would be your in establishment weeds. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of the, the, the way that we could do it that we had some data behind because we couldn't, we didn't, ha- there wasn't the, the, there weren't these surveys that were being done. Um, that happened in Western Canada to kind of like fact check it, if that right. makes sense. Yeah, for sure. No, that's awesome. So the other piece that is in the Western Canadian tool um, that it says is under development for Eastern Canada is the seeding rate tool. So what's the what's the outlook on that? Well, <laughs> the outlook on that is this was another thing that uh, our, our original ask, like we weren't going to attack the seeding rate calculator mm. in this last iteration of the project because we had a feeling that it was going to be more complicated than what Western Canada does. And I mean, yeah. I love, I mean, I lived, I spent a quarter of my adult career in Western Canada. So <laughs> I, I spent a little bit of time, but the the rates and the ways that things are done are just much more standard. Right. If, if that's the most polite way that I can put it. And yeah. In Eastern Canada, we're doing a lot of different things, a lot of different ways um, as it relates to seeding. Has how to be a do... little bit more fluid and yeah. customizable. So in order for it to be a tool, it was not as easy as just saying, well, this is the plants per square inch that we need if we're doing a pure stand. Like we mm. could have done that, but it just wouldn't have been very helpful to the average producer, if that makes right. sense. So we yeah, just totally. Didn't to spend some more time on it. So we've gotten a little bit of uh, a funding extension to mm-hmm. attack that. Okay, awesome. Hopefully by next spring, again, web developers uh, notwithstanding, um, we might be able to get some of those things straightened out so that we can have something for next uh, for next spring. But um, it's just, sometimes it's just a challenge to get, to get those things together. And mm-hmm. uh, that will be something that, I know that Perenia was very in, interested in in getting involved with, so we're looking very much forward uh, because there will be some very uh, close to Atlantic um, eyes on on that calculator. So it should be very applicable to the Eastern producer. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So will that kind of help you figure out a mix ratio too? It should. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's what we're. That's what the hope is. And again, we're just trying to figure out the best way that a, the it can be user friendly and do all yeah. and do the same thing so the mix between kind of it being accurate it being mm-hmm. friendly and it actually um being being useful 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it definitely has to be simple. Um, and everything else on there, I think is, is really user-friendly and simple. So I'm sure that that will continue as the developments uh, carry on. Is there any other evolution or growth that you see for the, the tool? Well, we did, um, and again, just because we're in Atlantic Canada, the, we did do translation and we had Quebec involved in the Eastern Canadian portion. So awesome. if you do need to have it in French, then it is there. We worked on translating the Western, any of the Western profiles that we didn't use here in the uh, okay in the, as well. So they are, aren't, they haven't been uploaded yet, but the translations have been completed and are just working on chipping away to, to get those included. And um, as far as we know, we're just, the next step is the seating rate calculator. And if anybody else has any great ideas, again, this whole <laughs> thing came, came out with just having an idea that somebody had, and then it uh, extrapolated itself across the whole country. So. Yeah, no, this is awesome. It's uh, sounds like a, a huge project, but one that I think will be really useful for people. So. So it was developed by the beef industry, correct? Um, but aside from the beef industry, who else could benefit from using this tool? Basically, anybody who is growing forage. So dairy, sheep industry, um, like any ruminant, anybody who's growing grass or forages to feed creatures or to uh, to even those who are growing hay and and selling selling it mm -hmm. like hay dealers and things like that so yeah. anyone who's in that space can benefit from it and a lot of the people involved with this were the various forage councils mm -hmm. so though it was funded by beef cattle research council there was um, contributing funds by the various forage councils and provincial governments um, yeah the, the value in it so yeah certainly it's just it happens to be housed on the the beefresearch.ca website, but like a lot of the things that are forage related on that website, it uh, anybody who's got a vested interest in growing forage can can take a take a boo and see what's on there. Yeah, definitely wide reaching. Cool. So um, it is housed on the Beef Cancel Research website. How can producers access the tool? So it is upic.beefresearch.ca, and if you just Google forage you pick it's one of the top the top things that come up in my in my google search anyway yeah uh, so there's that and then once you get there you can go into the forage is suited to my field or the forage weed management um pieces and then you can click on your uh your particular the atlantic zone if we're talking about atlantic canada and go through things yeah no awesome and it is a um web-based tool but it's mobile friendly it is mobile friendly we tried to we did we tried to break it when we first when we first <laughs> it over and uh, so yeah so you should be able to access all those things again the ph option is the first to show up so even if you Perfect. just put in your ph and hit <laughs> new results you'll be further ahead for it <laughs> absolutely I just appreciate if everybody could take a take a boo at it, and if you've got any comments or questions, concerns, there's an email um, email that will take any feedback. Uh, if you find a mistake or anything, because we're all hu all, all humans were were uh, <laughs> used in the production of this, or yeah. if you've got any any feedback, then we can certainly take that under advisement. Um, again, it was a very 
collaborative approach. We had uh, team members from yeah Ontario, Quebec, and Atlantic Canada to do the yes, no, maybe so. Mm-hmm. Um, Make sure it fits logic behind yeah. it. So it's uh, it was just what the what that particular group of subject matter experts kind of classified as. Yes, we'd recommend it. No, we wouldn't in that case. And uh, everything is based on yes, no logic. So yeah. No, awesome. No, I think it's going to be a a really um, a really useful tool for a lot of different people. And I appreciate you taking the time to kind of explain it and get into the details a little bit more. Um, we'll have the link to the tool in the show notes, uh, so you can find it there. Or, like Amy said, just Google Forage You Pick tool, and, and you will find it. Promise. Awesome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Outstanding in the Field. Be sure to check out the Eastern Forage UPIC tool at the link in the show notes or by searching Forage UPIC tool online. You can follow us on social media at NS Perennia and subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date on new episodes. Thanks to Perennia for supporting this podcast and Rachel Oxner from our marketing and communications team for podcast production.